Someone's been following you. They're everywhere. They're in the subway. They're on the dance floor. They tried to run you over with their car. It's not demons. It's the pod boys. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Matisse Van Rossum. And I'm rubbing my tentacles on everything. <laughs> I'm George Costanza, attorney at law, <laughs> formerly known as Ben Sheets. I'm Clockwork Agent Orange, Cleveland Mosher. Ooh, nice one. <laughs> I was sitting on that the whole movie. Hell yeah. Can well, you sing us that doo-wop song? Yeah, please. Uh, well, we were trying to figure out a cold open, and uh, I was saying that maybe there's like a doo-wop song about climbing a ladder. Yeah, and then you sang some of it. Yeah, it sounded like a ladder. A bit bad up. Up to your window, gonna say hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's a song, right? Yeah. Bit fap. <laughs> that was excellent. It's a it's a low key day here at Pod People headquarters. Thank God. We're having a lazy Saturday afternoon. My co-hosts seem to be struggling from the festivities the ni- of the night before. Yes, I'm feeling gentlemen. I'm feeling great. <laughs> Well, we got one person going. Yeah, we're talking uh, about my pick this week, Jacob's Ladder, the 1990 film directed by uh, Adrian Lyne. Lynn? Lynn? L-Y-N-E? Whatever. Lynn Lyne. This is a movie that I remember seeing in college and enjoying quite a bit. I feel like it's somewhat of a cult classic horror film. Not everybody is familiar with it, but... uh, it's definitely got its fair share of fans. It's it's definitely like well referenced. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, it's influential for sure. Absolutely. And and we'll get into that. Cleveland, this was your first time seeing Jacob's Ladder, correct? Correct the mundo. Then you've seen it before, right? Yeah, I think one of the last times I saw it was back in high school on VHS. Oh, so. Jesus Christ. I, I What's saw a VHS? It, I watched it like sophomore year of college, I think, is the last time I saw it. Is that like a turntable? <laughs> Cleveland, what were uh, what were your basic impressions uh, as as a first viewer? As you said, uh, this film has been referenced a lot. Um, how did it live up to your expectations, knowing some of the references but not having seen the movie? Is good. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, it was good. I had a great time. Uh, Catch us next week. <laughs> uh, bye. <laughs> it's good. I give it. I give it stars. Yeah, that many. No, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think it suffers in the third act. It hits a, a lull, yeah. which is strange because the first and second act do such a great job of building towards something. Towards a climax that kind of doesn't really happen. That no, tuckers out. Um, yeah, well, let, we won't, let's not get too far into that just yet. Um, the basic premise of Jacob's Ladder is it follows a uh, Vietnam veteran, Jacob Singer, who seems to uh, be affected with some serious PTSD that is sort of rearing its head more and more the older he gets. Then it sort of develops into like a conspiracy film about trying to find out what the government did to him and his platoon when he was in Nam. He's seeing all kinds of demons and shit. Well, yeah, he finds out he's not the only one seeing these demons. He's starting to get phone calls from uh, old members of his platoon and stuff. Uh, This reminded me of a lot. What's that? Taxi Driver. Yeah, kind of. Gritty New York. It's shot on some more cameras. PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, nothing much beyond that, but the veneer is very similar. The the biggest connection I always make is to Silent Hill. Yeah, aesthetically. I so. Well, I know this movie was a big inspiration for them, but like in terms of aesthetics of like gross areas and situations where you can't tell what's real and what isn't. It falling has, into a mindscape. It has you know? the same Absolutely. kind of tone of like what I would call sort of melancholy dread that Silent Hill does really well. I love the opening of the film. Um I, I guess this the second opening. The first one is uh you know it's it starts in Nam and we sort of see this attack uh on Jacob's platoon. Um I think it's one of the one of the more uh horrifying depictions of Vietnam that I've seen. There's yeah, some there's, there's a lot. Some, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. I mean so it's of hard course to, there, it's there's hard the big ones, back. the uh Apocalypse Now and Platoon and and whatnot. But I, I think that the opening is pretty strong, especially because the immediate impression that there's something else going on as well, because some of the uh some of the members of his platoon, uh, Ving Rhames, like starts having a really horrible seizure. One of the other characters is screaming about his head, and like they're being attacked, spinning the around, same, spinning around. Um, they're being attacked at the same time. The the thing I I think I enjoyed most about that scene that struck struck me uh, was actually the foley. I think it does a great job of of centering you because they they don't change out the foley between shots. It's, it's it's fairly consistent yeah. throughout. So even though the camera is cutting constantly, you always have the audio to kind of like hold you a little bit more centered. Mm-hmm. You're still incredibly disoriented and sounds are coming in from all directions, but they're coming in consistently. And I thought that was very effective. Also, just the, the sounds themselves are very juicy um, considering when it was made. Like yeah. uh, all the machine gun fires and the bombs dropping are very rich. And the the footsteps all sound like really you know juicy. Yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the foley of that yeah. scene. I think in general the sound design in is this great. movie is pretty solid. Um, it does a good job, like you said, of grounding a lot of the more surreal things in this movie in a really interesting way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, at the end of that sequence, we see uh, Jacob, uh, who's played by Tim Robbins, I didn't mention, who does a, a really great job in this movie in general. Um, we see him get gutted with a with a bayonet, and then he wakes up on the subway. And I, I love, like, I like the intro, but I really love the, the whole opening part with him on the subway, just, like, waking up alone, and it's like, you know, it's like New York before they really, like, cracked down and cleaned up the city a lot, oh, so it's yeah. just, like, that, that's horribly... A rough subway. Horribly grimy uh, subway car, but it's completely empty, you know, and he goes to another car, and there's this weird old babushka just sort of eyeballing him straight strangely he sees a homeless man sleeping on the train and the he thinks he's he sees like a tail coming out of the the homeless man's coat and uh and then he he has to leave the subway right before he gets a good look at it it's paced perfectly i love that and then to have him be on this like totally empty platform and he tries to uh you know go up to the surface but the stairs are like gated off so he then has to cross the the subway tracks and almost gets run over by a train. I love I love when he dives out of the way and falls on the ground and you see like the train passing by and like everybody inside it looks monstrous, but it's it's going by so fast that 
you can't get a really good sense of it. Yeah. You can see that it's, like, underlit, and it's, like, blue, so it's immediately, like, very surreal and ethereal and nightmarish. Oh, yeah. It's And just, like, the isolation of that, it's it's so Silent Hill. Like, it's such, yeah, a, that's such 100%. a good comparison. I the, love the final figure looking back at him on the subway, too. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just vague enough like there's something like like some sort of skin like over his face but you can't tell exactly what mm-hmm. it's very very uh invoked in, invoked like uh those like classic like slender man photo you know yeah yeah a little bit stuff just that i don't know like covered face yeah i i enjoyed the shit out of it this this film the the visuals unfortunately infrequent is i found them to be i, I really was left wanting more uh by the end of the film I, what the film does give you it gives it to you very well yeah, and I mean, I would agree that they're a bit infrequent. They kind of drip feeds you. Yeah, yeah. But we really go from one set piece like that to another between the subway and the dance sequence. The party scene is um, really great which as well. Yeah. It's probably the one that stands always stands out to me the most just because it it's sensory overload in a lot of ways. The strobe light is the strobe really, light is nice. The the music keeps getting louder. Yeah, the super loud James Brown. <laughs> yeah, uh, the uh, the quick cutting too. Mm-hmm. Um, and of yeah. course the props. And of course the props. Yeah, he sees like his girlfriend orgasmically dancing with some Lovecraftian looking beast. I love that you you get an impression of it, but you don't you don't ever really see what it is. I think that scene is really great. The hospital scene later on mm-hmm. um, is we'll, we'll come back to that. That's phenomenal. Yeah, I, atmospherically, I think especially for the time, this film is is unparalleled in a lot of ways. The lighting is almost noir for I think most of the movie. Even even the ones where there's not anything like particularly surreal or nightmarish going on, like it's so moody. There's so much uh, so much contrast between like really overblown windows and like dark shadows caused by like blinds and curtains and stuff like that. There's also an, an element of the the family drama too. We were talking about that last week with Crawl yeah. and. Uh, how well i mean we had differing opinions on whether it worked or not um in in this movie i think that the the family drama actually is uh is quite effective oh yeah i think it's played out just right any more would have been too much and yeah. uh, well there's there's this this interesting dynamic with like his old life and his current life uh like before he went off to nam his uh his son uh, played by Macaulay Culkin in one of his earliest roles is uh, is killed. A, a car hits his bike. For some reason, I confuse Macaulay Culkin in this movie with the movie. Which movie is it where he gets attacked by a bunch of bees? Because uh, I have I have that scene like very, very. Are you clearly. thinking of the movie My Girl? Maybe is that the one where Macaulay Culkin gets attacked by a bunch of bees? Macaulay Culkin is the thing. No, there's it's definitely there's definitely a movie where Macaulay Culkin, uh, very young, gets gets attacked by a bunch of bees, and for some reason I I always think that it's Jacob's Ladder, and it's definitely not. (laughs) Oh, it's the Wicker Man. Oh yeah, 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 of course, that's right. (laughs) Uh, Not the bees. 
A lot of Wicker Man references in the last few weeks. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and his uh, he still has, like, two other sons and his ex-wife, but he seems to be estranged from them. And he uh, he lives with, with his new girlfriend, who he works with at the uh, at the post office. There's uh, immediately, uh, there's a lot of biblical symbolism in the movie. All of the primary characters all have biblical names. Jacob, his ex-wife Sarah, his children Jed, which I assume is short for Jedediah, and Eli, and even Macaulay Culkin is Gabe, Gabriel, and his new girlfriend is uh, Jezebel. Yeah, that that one was really on the nose, especially since there's that piece of dialogue between the two of them where she's like, what's up with all your friends having biblical names? And she has the most out of place biblical name of all of them. Yeah, I mean, it it kind of it kind of works, I think, considering that, you know, she's kind of almost depicted as like a seductress, a, a seductress who's, yeah, who's yeah. lured him away from from his old life. Yeah, Jezebel is his, depicted as a Jezebel. Yeah, uh, yeah. His, uh, <laughs> his, his children are named after prophets, except for Gabe, who's named after an archangel. I think that's great. I just I just wish that she hadn't drawn attention to it in a really weird meta way. I mean, I guess. Uh, it's the uh, Kojima method of <laughs> giving I, names. I actually, I actually have thoughts on that, but it's it's pretty spoiler-heavy, so I'll come back to that shortly. I do have thoughts on why they do that. I think this film does a great job of, of depicting a descent into madness. It does a very good job of keeping a degree, a strong degree of ambiguity uh, over whether what we're seeing is real or not. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel overplayed or overbaked to me. I... I enjoyed uh, any of those those Madden sequences the most. I wish there was more of it. Right. But... Like there's there's that great scene too, like after the the party scene, uh, where he's become sick and he has like a like a hundred six degree fever, and they like try to put him in the bathtub with ice water to cool him down, and he's just like totally losing it, and he wakes up from that, and he's in bed with. Sarah and he's and he's explaining like oh yeah I had a dream that I was living with this other woman you know all of this stuff yeah. and it's, it's very very protracted and it does it does a great job because there's already so many like dream like sequences and dream sequences and flashbacks and stuff prior that the first time I saw it you know when he wakes up in bed it's it's like you and because it keeps going for such a long time the whole scene of him like tucking in Macaulay Culkin and like talking with him and stuff. It's like you wonder if that is really the real world and if everything you've yeah. been seeing is just a dream and then he wakes up from that back in the bathtub with with uh Jesse. See, that's the one thing about this movie where when I originally saw it for the first time, I wasn't super crazy about because uh I do like some of the dreamlike jumping around and I've gone come to appreciate it a bit more the more times I've seen it but it can kind of make it feel a bit disjointed at times yeah I think I think, in, I think intentionally it? though I think I it's supposed it, to kind of disorient you yeah I said it during the movie I was like you know I I see what they're they're doing but I like how they're doing it and that goes for all of the symbolism in this movie. I, I, I mean this. I, I'm, I'm blanketing this across the whole film. But like, this film doesn't really hide what it's trying to do. Uh, you're, you're, you're there for well, his, his madcap fall to insanity. See, but like, the symbolism is so outright. It, see, that's, that's it's just it's, it's done well, so I don't mind it. That's the thing, though. Is I think this is one of those cases 
where it takes on a very different context in hindsight because so many films in the last 30 years have referenced this film with the things that they're doing. And I think that for a lot of those things, this film was the first. Well, I mean, there there's plenty of, like, noir films, you know, that, like, depict like a descent into madness oh sure and, no, i'm not i'm not referring to that specifically um that and, that's more know, stuff getting like back hitchcock's in. whole pantheon and um i guess uh, another uh something that i could uh use that example of is like a lot of the demons that we see quote-unquote demons the hallucinations that he has are uh they they do that uh high shutter speed, like, uh, speeding up, like, movement, head shaking thing. Right, that, like, every 90s, like, grunge. Well, right, that's the thing, (laughs) is this film is, like, the first one that was doing that. I'll I'll still say that I think it it does it better than than most of the the references I've seen to it. I think in this film, it's it's rather effective. It's a little bit corny because we, it's become such a trite cliche in horror. It's been done so many times in so many bad movies, too, that oftentimes it's really laughable one example i think where the torch was well passed is like tools music videos yeah i like for sure i like what tool did with that i think so too um but Uh, but seeing what tool did with that aesthetic before seeing this film didn't impact it for me i was still pretty unsettled by it yeah i feel like uh, again uh, having seen like all of its influences before seeing the source i might have been more terrified if i hadn't but uh, i was still i was still pretty spooked or at least unsettled do you guys want to go ahead and get into spoilers? Because yeah. a lot of my yeah. thoughts... I, I think it's it's going to be are, difficult to unpack much yeah, more else about yeah. this film. It's so um, allegorical. It turns out at the very end that the entire film is basically his dying hallucination after being bayoneted in, in Nam. He has a, a chiropractor character who is depicted as very angelic. He continues to, like, sort of pull... Yeah. yeah, he pulls him out of... Over and over, Bad pulls him cherub. out of hell. Um, and, you know, he has this sort of pretty heavy-handed monologue uh, about uh, the only part of you that goes to hell is the part that is unwilling to let go of life, and that when you uh come to terms with your death that the demons become angels or whatever it's it's pretty corny but you know it 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 turns out to be very literal and what i like about it too is that it leaves the idea of the supernatural very open to interpretation you can you could decide that it's supernatural if you want but also it's equally just like it's a it's a brain death hallucination um, either either works fine, and that that's to go back to uh, the thing with with uh, the Jezebel character because she's obviously since he dies in Nam, she's a, an entirely fictional character that his brain has created, and it teases that showing that she's like a demon, at times. right? And what I like about that is why the the Jezebel thing doesn't bother me is because the fact that all of his children have religious names. It shows that he is a religious individual, and therefore his hallucination would likely take on religious connotations. Well, for most of the movie, he thinks that he is being pursued by demons trying to drag him to hell. And when he meets with his platoon mates, you know, some of them say the same. So as he's dying, his brain is giving this religious significance to 
his you know his his final hallucinations so in that sense with the hindsight i don't mind the whole like heavy-handed jezebel thing because like that's what that's what his brain is creating it's his brain trying to explain it that's fair i think now that too that we've we've given away the the big spoily i would like to actually go back again to that silent hill comparative because they are yeah, so totally comparable. I'm really, yeah. glad you, I'm really glad you brought that up because the the you know, the entire movie is 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 him dead uh, and him you know sort of being yeah. pulled from you know into these different realms that are guised as reality, but it's you know it's mm-hmm. all just a, a fictitious sort of. Representation I mean, they uh... of like heaven and hell, and like that's exactly what Silent Hill does. It's generally assumed that the, that the main character is. Yeah. You know, the characters you play have, have died, and they've, you know, they've transgressed, and they're, um, you know, they've moved on. What I do like, in hindsight, uh, if, you've, if you've seen the film before, you know what it's about. They basically tell you what's happening immediately as he wakes up on the subway, because he looks up, and he sees that first billboard says something about New York, and, he, and it pans over to the right, and there's another one that just says hell in big red letters, <laughs> just immediately after he wa- he quote-unquote wakes up from the the vietnam flashback all of the subway ads had uh anti-drug messages yeah that is one element of the plot that was a little strange to me the 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 psychedelic drug aspect of it i enjoyed it um i I like it too uh let's 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 unpack that a little bit because i think it's i think it's worth it i i think there's some good ideas in there i think it muddles the end twist a little bit uh, because in a lot of ways, I see like the whole death sequence, the whole events of the movie were him like essentially going down the ladder as right. you know he's he's dying, and then at the very end we see him asc- he ascends the ladder, yeah, yeah, ascend the stairs, and having the drug implication of that just muddles it a little bit in my opinion somewhat but i think i think the the same explanation for his his brain giving everything the religious significance i think i think that explanation works as well for the the drug stuff too because of just like the culture of the united states pre and during vietnam you know it was that's when a lot of people were experimenting with LSD and because of the war and taxi drivers, a great example, you know, there's the, the widespread mistrust of the government. And in the second half of the film, there's this whole conspiracy unraveling about like the government testing a specially manufactured drug on these guys to like improve their, their combat abilities and regress them to like a primal violent state. And even if that is, is, you know, since it is all, even his uncovering of this conspiracy is a, a death hallucination, I think that just as much as him being a religious person, as some as a young person in Vietnam at that time, with probably a certain degree of mistrust for the government, especially by the end of his tour in Nam, it would make sense that he's also filling in the government conspiracy. Kind yeah, of. and it, I it mean, helps it helps give the the viewer a red herring away from like the very very apparent thing. Anyway, like I would agree with both of y'all. I think it does sort of muddy the plot a little bit. It what does muddy. Give a- 
like a whole nother thread. What like, muddies it the most, I think, is the final title card. Before yeah, the yeah, roll, that's the biggest. Where they're issue like, they're like uh, the the theory that the the government can uh, uh, experimented with psychedelics on soldiers. Uh, the government denies this, and then like the credits roll like that. I think muddies it a lot because it, it was because it didn't like source anything or say. And like, don't get me wrong, like Men Who Stare at Goats was a thing, like or whatever else. But, sure, sure, but, sure. But, like, but I mean, it, that's undocumented. But like the, the reason that uh, it's a weird way to phrase it. The reason that muddies it is because it seems to confirm that his platoon did kill each other because of the the drug ex- the the drug experiments, and it just made them sort of go mad and and destroy each other. And that's part of his death hallucination. So the fact that they're sort of saying that that is what happened is what muddies it. If they had left that out and it's just like, oh, it was all it was all a hallucination, I would buy it more. It yeah, would make yeah, more sense. yeah. The fact that they sort of, after he's dead, confirm that that's what happened is... Yeah, is, by placing is, that card, it, it confirms yeah. that's reality rather than dream. Right. And that's one of my biggest problems with it is... I agree. If it's not dream, then it's then how would he know? and it's, yeah, exactly. it's messy. I agree. and But I, I, I think that you could... That you can negate that entirely by just removing that title card at the end. Other than that, it just... The, the whole uh, government conspiracy plot I think just serves to disorient, but intentionally. Yeah, the, which the whole I, film is about disorientation. Which, I, which I, I like. I like that because at the beginning, you know, there or in the first act, there is so much of that very heavy-handed, like, religious sim- symbolism. Like, he's... He's fucking flipping through that copy of the Divine Comedy, uh, specifically Dante's Inferno, that has all of the Gustave Doré illustrations. And, like, it makes it very obvious that, like, you you assume that he is is dead and that he is in, in hell or in purgatory. And then to have sort of in the second half this, like, have his his platoon mates come to him and be like, I'm seeing things like demons are coming from me. It's like, well, shit, what did the government do to us? None of us remember that night that we were attacked. And I think, like you said, it's a fantastic red herring. Yeah, it's a sleight of hand. You know, it's to sort of misdirect away from the very, very apparently symbolism. Especially because they commit to it so hard. That yeah. like it 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 is it's such a huge part of the film. I mean, right. it'd, be, it, it'd be hard to to dissect it from it. To bring up my last point on that subject, uh, that I I did I did like very much. Uh, even though the the chiropractor character was was very heavily um, symbolic, I I very much so liked that they brought in the the concept of like popping your joints and having flashbacks. Because oh, yeah. that's a that's a very like common description with like with LSD um, and other psychedelics is that like there are certain things that can kind of help the that can cause those psychedelics to boomerang, right? Um, you know, like years down the road, like after you haven't had that LSD or that that psychedelic the chemicals, for a long time, the chemicals you suddenly collect. step in the shower yeah. and like pop your back a certain way, and then you suddenly have another psychedelic experience. Yeah. And on it top of that, in your it spinal acts f- as in your spinal an fluid. analog yeah. for PTSD. And how soldiers will, like, sometimes just hear, like, a loud bang of, like, a moving truck or something and, like, suddenly be right back, you know, on the front lines again or something. And um, it's – I love that they use that boomeranging concept as a – as an allegory and yeah. it you know it, it transfers between both oh that was fucking cool that was a neat concept and i think that it, it is an overplayed 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think they I think they do a really uh, generally a very good job of of depicting PTSD in in a realistic, not overblown and also sympathetic manner. I think for the most part, I think everything is so dreamlike yeah. that it's hard to take any of that stuff literally. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of it is portrayed realistically, but like they're not seeing demons, you know, well, like and but that's their right, their right, dreams, right, right. you know. Well, yeah, so like. I, I think that there is definitely a a certain degree of losing touch with reality. Yeah. Um it maybe not not so literal as as seeing demons. I you're like you're absolutely right about that. And that's why they try to depict that as like uh government conspiracy. Right. You and know? I'll, I'll They're not f- trying to say that that's caused by the PTSD, but his general like mistrust of people and the sort of like flip-flopping and and the and the panicking and the panic attacks and stuff i think is uh pretty well well handled yeah and i will i will say that i'm i'm sure that many people do not like the ending i i just had a guess that a lot of people would feel that the ending of this film is a cop-out and that well you know it's it's oh he was dead the whole time great because so it's mattered et because it's been honestly, because like, it's been referenced so much i don't have I think. much of an argument against that I enjoyed it. I didn't personally. I, Once I didn't, again, though, yeah, it was when it. when this film came out when they did that. That was not a common trope. Wait, yeah. When when specifically was this film? Nineteen ninety. It's before. It's prior. Like it, it's prior to the. It sixth had sense. been done before. Yeah, but but like, it wasn't. But it wasn't as widespread of a trope. Yeah, like it's not. People in in I don't think people in 1990 when this came out were like, oh yeah, it's that classic he was dead the whole time thing. Like we we. But I'm sure people now. thought of it yeah. as a cop out, I mean, especially after maybe. them going so far into the conspiracy aspects and stuff it's in possible. the movie. Personally, the ending is what makes the movie work for me a lot more. Yeah, I think so too um, because. I I think without that kind of connecting everything together, the movie is kind of disjointed just because you have so many different disparate subplots all over the place jumping between each one. And it gives you a very intriguing, disorienting feel. Yeah. Um, But, you know, as a narrative, it doesn't always hit home. I do. But I I think connecting that together connects everything i think you're right and i i think in a lot of ways this film is probably more successful on multiple watches uh at least it is for me because i i think the first time i saw it like i i liked how atmospheric it was but it was very disjointed in in ways that i found kind of frustrating until the end when you have that context that brings it all together and then going into it this time knowing how it ends I feel like I was able to understand it a lot better and the things that they were doing and being able to recognize like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a, you know, they're doing it, they're using this type of misdirection for this reason Mm -hmm. and that it's, it's supposed to be disorienting. Oh yeah. That's the whole, that's the whole idea. It does a great job of it. I think, yeah, I think it's, it's really strong on that front. Well, I think we've we've unpacked the heaven and hell stuff. We've unpacked the psychedelic parts. We've unpacked the ending. Can we just uh, unpack the third act and why it didn't yes, really work yes. for several I of us? Sure. T- I think yeah. it's time for that. If maybe all of us been yeah. Uh, we and I kind of generally shared our thoughts, um, and then we can unpack them more. But what are what's your perspective on the, on the third, third act? act? Well, it just slows down with the direct revelation of 
BX, the the drug yeah. that was given. I the latter, as they call yeah, it. Yeah, I actually name. like the explanation of the latter. Same. Um, I think it holds a lot of metaphorical point to it, especially yeah. you know towards the very end with the ascending the stairs. You know, with Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, yeah. Um, into the into the bright white light. I did think it was a bit on the nose in the moment it it definitely feels like an exposition dump and i kind of wish there was a way they could have introduced some of that a little more naturally than have you know just this doctor call yeah and we'll explain see, everything I, true yeah doctor yeah, exposition doctor <laughs> exposition strikes yeah. again uh, i think the explanation is good i agree with you i like that scene um, especially uh, where it takes place with them sort of walking in these uh, these run-down, uh, abandoned uh, industrial buildings and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, I, think, I think aesthetically it's great. My problem with it is that scene and that explanation feels like it's part of the build-up to a climax that has been coming prior to that as well. And it's like after that, he gets in a cab and asked to be taken home and they take him to like his old home where his wife and and sons live and he just like falls asleep on the couch and wakes up and sees Macaulay Culkin and then they ascend the staircase into a blinding white light and then we see him uh you know dead in Vietnam and it's like it's such Where's an, the climax? It's such an anticlimax. Yeah, like yeah, we're like, like like he's been he's been chased by these things, he's been pursued right. by demons, they're coming for him. Can we get a uh, I don't want a confrontation necessarily like like in the traditional sense, but some sort of final facing. Well, right. There's like, there's the like, whole. Just give me, give me. The, like it's a horror movie. Give give me. We even get the the like, voiceover the final something. We even get that voiceover from his his angel doctor that we've uh, uh, repeating his speech about. Uh, you know, when you accept your death and you let go of life, then the demons become angels. Like we have that repeated in voiceover, but there's it's like after he is told about like the ladder and the the experiments and like his his fears and his suspicions are confirmed. It's like that's all the acceptance that he needs, right? Like because it's like well, right after I, that. I love the hospital sequence. Yeah, but. I didn't realize during the sequence that it's, like, the final horror sequence. That that's literally his lowest yeah. point, but then there's yeah. 30 like fucking minutes, then there's 30 minutes of right. the movie yeah. left and I, after that. And I get it, they're trying to parallel, like, like the Inferno. Like, the, the right. opening se- sequences of the film are the most horrifying. He's in hell, and he ascends right. into Purgatorio, and then finally, in the last 30 minutes of the film, he ascends into Paradiso. Problem, Paradiso's boring. Right. Like, I, I, it's... I, I came here for, for horror. Like, you set me up with horror, like, at the beginning of the movie, with such good horror. And to have like, what, such good horror. I mean, what I will say is, like, part of me kind of likes the idea of once he has some sort of closure into why these things are happening, then that That's is enough. the end. But I think the way they do that is too direct. It's, and therefore, yeah, it's, it feels, like, tacked on. Yeah. I have heard that they cut out about 20, 25 minutes of the third act. So I wonder if Ooh, some of that was I would guess in I would, there. I would put money that that 20, 30 minutes is between the explanation and between him going home. Yeah. I, because that that feels 
so so sharply contrasting it's like i i like the idea of the explanation being enough to put him at peace in i like it in practice but it's not interesting in the film you know like it's there's there's a certain i think poetic gravitas to it but it's just not interesting to watch. Right. Well, it's it's the same problem with like a filler episode in a TV series, right? Where the the main threat, you know, doesn't exist. I, at that point, like it's the the threat is diminished once we understand what's going on, and so we're just sort of left sitting there. And and like here's, here's what I'll say too, I, just to reiterate, I love how much we don't see of the demons. I didn't I didn't want like to see a demon or anything like that at the end, but just to be chased by something one right. last time. To, to be sort of, you know, like, right, you know, right when you think that everything is, you know, coming to a close, just there's one final something. To have, to have kind of... Like, the devil have... just has, like, one last grasp on him before he... he well, like, right, he should, I feel like the, the, like you, like you mentioned, the hospital scene is, like, is really the low part of his, of his descent, you know, yeah, he is... Just, it's the bottom it's, of the pit. It's the deepest circle of hell for him. And then there's... I think it's like and the then, seventh ring, not the ninth. <laughs> but then there's... It. Right, exactly. And then there's, there's like, the the slight rising with, like, the doctor calling him, and then they go to set up and get the explanation, and then it just ends with him, you know, ascending to heaven or whatever. And it's like, what the way it should be is after that explanation, that's when he should have his lowest point. Yeah. Where he faces what has been done to him... You know, we have some kind of like ultimate horror. Uh, you know, the the most inescapable of the hallucinations, and and during that, when he's at his darkest moment, that he has his moment of acceptance. I think, uh, and then you know, from ascends. what I remember in the original script, uh, Jesse turns inside out. Turns into a horrible demon Whoa, monster. Whoa! Yes, please. That Where, was that? Where was that? Where was that? Oh, dope! But, please. Why would you well, cut that? The, the Maybe like story, in C seventeen. The whole story. Be, well, I think it just didn't test well with audiences. It would. They changed a lot within the script. The script uh, back in the day went around for about a decade as one of those really popular yet unproduced scripts. I believe a lot that. of big name directors were attached to it at one point or another. I know Sidney Lumet was really? on it at really? one that point. That would have been interesting. Um, but the script itself, the portrayals of the demons in the script are much more directly demons from sure. the Bible. And so it's interesting that they're made more subtle in this movie and i think it's for the best oh, God, yeah. i think so too but um, i i do think that that being said like we needed to have some kind of climax oh yeah definitely really well and i think it poses a problem going from introducing the idea of the ladder and then immediately and then using it yeah right you know? exactly um, yeah it's like you can go it sends the drug sends you down the ladder but you can also go up it and the then movie. And he does. In the movie and immediately. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, like, and the, it's over. What right. lazy fucking demons. Like, they well, just, right. they, they yeah, just give the up thing. on him? Like, because they're, they're hounding him, they're chasing him, and then suddenly they don't in the movie, and then cr- roll credits. Like, what? Right. Yeah, I mean, he has, he has his lowest psychological point, and then his guardian angel pulls him out of it, 
and then that's just enough, yeah, you know? it's like, you bastards, you gave me such good horror. Right. Like, like just, just a little more, just a taste. Right, that's the thing. It's like, I, I, even on this watch, and it's been several years since the last time I've seen this movie, it's like in that, in the first couple of acts, I'm like, man, this is incredible. Like, this is even better than I remembered it. And then the third act, it starts to slow down. I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm like, yep, that's right. Uh, that's why I didn't love this movie as much. It's just because, like, it it does such a good job of building up that, like, really, really horrifying atmosphere. And then it just kind of, you know, poofs out at the very end. And it's like, it's yeah. it's not even it's not even really bad. Like, none of the stuff at the end, like, did I find frustrating or offensive. It's just like, you've done such a good job giving me what I want earlier in this movie, and it's like, you just don't deliver at the end, you know? Overall, I still think this is a, a very solid film. It's a, it's a strong movie, and, and I enjoy it overall a lot. It's just like, the third act just does, does, does not quite live up to where they're taking it in the first two acts. It's a weird bird, you know? I, I, think, that, um, I think that it's referenced for good reason, I think a lot of films pull stuff directly from this movie and things that it does very well. Uh, one thing that I noticed particularly during this watch is that this movie has almost the exact same plot as Hellraiser 6. Uh, which is, oh, I was about to bring up Hellraiser. I, which is six, my, and, gonna... and, and 6 did come, 6 came out mid-90s, so it's after this movie. Wait, so it which makes one is me, that one? Resurgence? Retribution? Uh, I don't remember. But Free it, shit. It's, uh, it's Ugh. nice. I have tried. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to go with the dub. Yeah. I've movie. tried. I've that, tried that the time. three or four times to work my way through the entire Hellraiser series. And six is the one that I can never get past. That is always the one where I'm like, nope, I, I'm done with this. I don't, I have no desire to continue watching these movies. It's been six every time. And it, six has almost the exact plot of Jacob's Ladder, except instead of Tim Robbins, it's Dean Winters. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. It, rough. Is, <laughs> it is really rough. It does, like, it does so much of the same shit. It's, like, spooky, like, investigating a mystery. There's a lot of the the high shutter speed, uh, head shaking, yeah, twitching demons. And, and at the very end, it turns out that Dean Winters was dead all along, and he's been in hell the entire time. It's literally Literally the exact same plot of Jacob's Ladder, but Bro. done way, way, yeah, way worse. Way worse. I, was, I was thinking about that. Um, let me ask you guys, because I know that you're you're fans of both, and I have only just recently seen both of these films. Yeah. Which demon depictions do you prefer? Cenobites or the Jacob's Ladder demons? They're very different. I have a they hard are. time comparing. I would have to say it is kind of apples and oranges. It's the kind of the Jacob's Ladder demons, actually. I, agree. I think Just so because too. we see less of their full form. I think it feels way spookier. It's it's scarier. Yeah. I think that I think the depictions of demons in hell is uh, in Jacob's Ladder. It feels more realistic to me. And considering that the entire thing is like one big death hallucination, if not realistic, um, but believable. Uh, and normally those, those I mean, two comparatives cross. Yeah, but... believe. Well, I mean, it's hard to say realistically because demons. Like, that's no, why, nobody. That's why I well, yeah, and I mean, nobody knows what happens after death. You know, but right. like. 
your brain releases Hopefully not that. <laughs> your brain your brain releases a huge amount of DMT as you're dying. So True. like this is the massive, Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it is. God no, please no, never. Um, um, I did find a little bit about Hellraiser is more metal. That's what I will say. It's yo, more God, it's more fun. Said, yeah. It's more fun and it's more metal, Definitely but it's le- but it's less believable. It certainly has a better climax. Yeah. I agree with all of that. I love Hellraiser and immediately after watching another podcast, I went and read uh, not only the Hellbound Heart, Hell, Hellbound Heart, but then also Scarlet Gospels. Afterwards. You went farther like, than I, I went, did. I read I the Hellbound Heart after, after like, we I, did that episode too. I really enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed the shit out of that movie. It's definitely a new favorite of mine. We got to get you watching Hellraiser Two. Hellraiser uh, Two is great. Let's it's do it. Fun. Um, and I still prefer the film. I definitely would pick Hellraiser over Jacob's Ladder. But it's a better much. movie. Yeah. And I do think that the depictions of, of uh, if I had to choose, which I shouldn't. Uh, but if I had to, I would I would pick the demons in, in Jacob's Ladder. I, yeah, it's it's more believable. I, I think we're ready to transition into ratings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Covered I did mind. find a little bit more about the scenes that oh, they cut. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Um, Give so us that. I'm it curious. says uh, after initial test audience reported that the film was overwhelming. Director Adrian Lin cut out 20 minutes of material, almost all of which came from the last third of the film. Four major sequences were removed after Jacob meets Michael. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. You uh, front back. A scene where Michael gives him an antidote for the ladder. A scene where Jacob thinks he's cured, but it turns out not to be. Oh, and the grasp comes um, back. A yeah. scene where he goes to Michael's apartment and finds Michael decapitated. Damn. And a scene just prior to his final meeting with Gabe. Where he meets Jesse, who shows her true form, which, like I was saying, that all huge that, demon monster. That all sounds great. The movie would have been two and a half hours long. At least it would have been interesting. Second, half. honestly, with this movie, over overwhelming is what I wanted. Yeah, like that's what the that's what the good the, death is. The dread, the dread that it's building up to that, like that climax. It's it, it is so. Like such such creeping horror that comes up to that, like, like an overwhelming. Cut it. Yeah, like give me something to look at, like in that last sequence. Do you? I'm I'm, I'm a baboon man. I just want a little entertainment. Like here's, just give here's me something. My question. You know, just give me my caveman tendencies and do you think me a little that, bit. Do you think the they'll bit. ever release that cut? Because it almost certainly still exists. Oh yeah, does that footage exist? Because if so, I I'm watch sure it there's the some deleted scenes out there. I it, don't know if there's a final cut. They would have no reason to destroy that footage. The original cut of the film with all of that stuff almost certainly still exists somewhere. And if we ever get a cut of that, like that could fix all of my problems with yeah, this movie. Seriously. I'll I'll go into ratings because I have a have a thought on that. Like, depending on how those scenes were, if they were in the movie, like, I think this could be uh, a five out of five film for me. Like it feels, it feels like it in the first two acts. It's in that third act where it just sort of sputters out into anticlimax at the very end, you know, uh, at the end because it feels like it's missing something, and it sounds like what it's missing exists. And <laughs> what a bummer! Right, and what that a is bummer. a bummer. And uh, because of that, I. I cannot give this film a five out of five because it lets me down. Uh, but based on the strength of most of the film, it's it's still a strong four out of five for me. I think Jacob's Ladder is still a great film. Yeah, and I would I would uh, mirror a lot of that. I think aesthetically, it's super strong. 
in terms of atmosphere and tone. It really does a good job. I do still have some minor problems with how disparate it can be with all the storylines at times and as well as how quickly it wraps itself up and how Mm. directly it gives you that latter exposition. But overall, I think it's a really solid movie. It's a movie that's grown on me upon multiple watches. I would give it a four out of five, too. I'm not going to waste y'all's time uh, just saying the same things. Ditto all of that, four out of five. Okay. Uh, Unanimous uh, four out of five pods for Jacob's Ladder. We didn't talk about Jason Alexander's character, uh, he's fun. He's not an important character, but uh, George Costanza, attorney yeah, at law. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's some that's a great way to sort of build into the conspiracy is to try to bring a class action lawsuit against the government, and then you know have have the lawyer be sort of like, I there's nothing you've you've led me on a wild goose chase. Like stay away from me, and then to have him picked up by the G men right outside the courthouse. Good stuff. My point is, Jason Alexander in more things. This was, like, at the very beginning of Seinfeld. Uh, he was probably filming this around the same time as, as the first season of Seinfeld. Which also was really funny because the, the scientist was named Newman. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Newman. Newman. Uh, there's there's a, a weird amount of, like, notable actors in this movie in, like, really big parts. Like, Jason Alexander, uh, Louis Black is the the doctor in the hospital, I think. Um, I know Danny Aiello. Danny, I, Danny Aiello is the chiropractor. Uh, Ving Kyle, Rames. Ving Rames. Kyle Gass of Tenacious D is in this movie. What? I, I couldn't spot him. I was looking for him the whole movie, and I I think he was one of one of the platoon mates. Maybe was he the one? The other one who called him who was seeing the the demon no i don't think so it didn't look like Uh, no 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 no. but he is he is credited in this movie oh that's Um, weird i'm getting flashes of his face but i can't i can't i couldn't i couldn't figure out i wish i'd known i would have been looking too his character's name is tony but like it's new york and like tony Tony. is the most generic (laughs) like like guido name Uh, i will say also tim robbins glasses in this movie that he was wearing yeah. kind of made him look like Dwight Schrute the whole time. A little time. bit. Man, I really like Tim Robbins. I it, I haven't seen... We were talking about this before the movie, but I haven't seen him in anything in forever. I guess he's doing a lot of TV stuff A lot now. of TV, a lot of like stage said, stuff. Stage from stuff. What I've heard. Bring back Tim Robbins. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag bring back Tim Robbins. Hashtag bring back Tim Robbins. Um, one last thing before we close out the show. We did watch a trailer after this for uh, a Jacob's Ladder remake that I had no idea happened. I got I got, I got, got two words for you. Jacob's Batter. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, yeah. yeah. Says so, it yeah. all. I have nothing else to say. You you were saying that it, like, it just came out too, right, Ben? Heard of it. I think it Wish came out on VOD on like VOD. Thursday. That's crazy. And it's coming to Looks theaters. bad. Quote, unquote. I, I don't think it's going to get a wide release I next month. Not. Yeah, holy shit. It's uh I guess it's kind of prescient that I picked this film for this week right yeah. when the Jacob's Ladder remake that I didn't know was happening comes out. <laughs> uh it looks really fucking bad. It looks, it looks like looks a like retelling of it shit. that's more straightforward, and that sounds like a nightmare. Well, I won't watch what it. What I found confusing about it is that it has a lot of exact references to the, the original ice, movie the, in in the, the trailer, shaking heads, the shaking head heads, demons, the, but the subway. But it's about 
but cleaner. But J but Jacob is just like a guy and his brother comes back from the war and he's quote unquote bringing these demons with him after they thought his brother was dead, which leads me to believe that there's going to be some convoluted nonsense about his brother being like a ghost that like brings hell with him and that it's almost, it's probably not going to be allegorical and that it's just going to be literal. It looks terrible. I did see that this movie was written by the Midnight Meat Train dude. Oh, okay. Which explains quite a bit. That makes sense. Produced by uh, the people who brought you straight out of Compton. Hell so. no! Proudly stated uh, in the yeah. trailer. We all laughed at that. Have y'all, have y'all seen the Midnight Meat Train? I haven't, no. I watched it, I watched it a couple of years ago. It's okay. It's got a lot of really stupid things, but it has some fun ideas. Would you but, call it well-written, though? Uh, the movie, no. However, it is based on a Clive Barker short story yeah. in, on the subject of Clive Barker and Hellraiser. Um, no, no, no. I would not describe it as well-written. But it wasn't the worst. But holy shit, this Jacob's Ladder remake looks really fucking bad. I might watch it out of morbid curiosity, but I'm certainly not going to go out of my way to see it. I have... well. I'll tell you what, interest. if I win predictions... Don't you dare. <laughs> you, know what, you know what? I will take that. Oh, you know what? I'm not even going to say that. Don't say it. I'm not even going to say it. Hey, hey. I'm not even going to say Why it. Why not, not both? Don't you dare. <laughs> don't you fucking dare. Better hope that, better you better hope, hope that I don't win. Of, that one of us wins the end of the <laughs> wins the prediction game. I will I will be taking a flight to where I'm not telling you. I, ben, ben will you, destroy you us. You will never find me again. <laughs> I, I hope you're excited for 47 meters down uncaged as well. Is it going to be that, the Curse of La Llorona and oh, Jacob's Ladder? I wasn't going to say it. I didn't want to... I'm not going to spoil my picks. It's going to but... be those. So hopefully Ben doesn't no, win. Please, no. I'm barely I in won't. the lead at the moment. Do we have... Did 47 Meters Down, do we have numbers for that yet? That comes out in a couple weeks. Okay. I think it comes out on the 16th of, Oct- uh, of August. Whatever. I'm not concerned about it then. Um, I just know that we predicted it. Well, I think that that should be uh, the last of Urethang. Yeah, uh, sponsor? Oh, yeah. Do you have a sponsor for us, Cleve? Of course, yeah. There's always... From the sponsor shelf? Yeah, um, uh, yeah, let me, let me, let me pull this one off. Uh, this little bottle all next to it. All hail, sponsor shelf. All hail. Uh, alright, so the bottle, uh, alright, there's a note attached to it. It says, um, are you ever, uh, is your head ever shaking too much? Uh, have a friend whose head is just just wriggling around a little little too much, a little unsettling. He's got some weird uh, demon poop. Has some weird, uh, you know, on the subway. You had, uh, you know, is your is your loved one suffering from uh, getting uh, banged by demons at parties? Don't worry about it anymore. Talk to your doctor about clotidolin. Uh, get get your. <laughs> about what? Clotidolin. 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 Uh, <laughs> and let your your demon rattling head be gone. Thanks, Clotidolin. Don't no, think. <laughs> <laughs> it says it on the note. <laughs> Don't think. Okay, shit. I fucked up then. Uh, hopefully they'll still give us our money. Um, well, I think that will bring us to the end of uh, this week's episode. Next week, we're moving on to Cleveland's next choice. 
and uh, we're going to be talking about a film that you actually haven't seen, Cleveland. I know. Uh, but a film that Ben and I have seen and that I love very one much. One of my favorites. One of my favorites of all time. The Yelke, night top ten. Yelke going, ah, shit, you got to see Night of the Hunter. It's really good. It's, it's it. great. I love it. But I won't say anything about it. So the I'm like, all right, the, my, my the, intrigue is peaked. The Night of the Hunter. Know. Classic by Charles Lawton from 1954, starring the incomparable Robert Mitchum. Well, we'll find out if I've the got only Lawton film to say about directed it. by Charles Lawton. Yeah, and we'll get into that because there's there's a good story behind that. I have been wanting to do an episode on the Night of the Hunter for a very long time, and Cleveland, considering your penchant for classic films and uh, and black and white films, I'm surprised you haven't seen this one. And all I will say is, who boy, you are in for a treat because yes. there's no way you're not gonna love it um so tune back in next week for our review of night of the hunter but until then while you wait for our next episode why don't you head on over to apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts whatever dispensary that may be and leave us a five-star rating and a nice review uh that would really help us move our way up in the numbers and we'd appreciate it greatly and uh, if you're interested in some random uh, gifs of little girls riding alligators, then follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod. That's a thing. I posted one of those from oh, the Twitter account this yeah. last week. Uh, so at PodPeoplePod on Twitter. Also follow us on letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod for uh, a complete list of all of the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and the links to our reviews, as well as a list of our uh, hallowed golden pods, the uh, handful of films that we have unanimously rated a perfect five out of five. You can find all of that on letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. I'm on Twitter uh, tweeting for Light Arc Studio. And uh, you can also check out all my sweet doodles on ArtStation. And you can also see him moving around and trying to eat your face in uh, our collective game. It stares back. It's pretty rad. It's got, it's got some spookies in it. Uh, it's got some spookies. It, yeah. Go check it out. It's on Steam. Just Google it. It'll show up. It stares back. Yeah, uh, it's a cool $6 right now, but will not be forever as we add more content. But all future content will be free if you already own the game. So get it while it's hot for a cool six American dollars. Steam, it stares back. Do the ding-dang thing. And uh, yeah, that that should be everything. Uh, oh, uh, download the the prologue on uh, EdenByNostalgia.Bandcamp.com. The official soundtrack. Yes. Hell yeah, it's great. And uh, if you, it's also streaming. Yes. But if you if you purchase it on Bandcamp from Ben's Bandcamp page, it comes bonus. It comes with what four bonus tracks? Four bonus songs. And they're delicious. I can vouch. They're very tasty. So do that. Also, we have a. A great visual album of it, uh, made by Cleveland and Ben, available on YouTube, our YouTube channel, Light Arc Studio. Um, Yeah, so I think that's all the plugs. Uh, Thank you, as always, for listening. Tune back next week for Night of the Hunter. We are the pod people ascending the ladder into the blinding light. Up, up we go. 